Thank you for joining us again on our online campus here at Evangel Temple. Uh, we are excited about what God's doing in the service that's upcoming. So we'd ask you that you prepare your heart, prepare your mind uh, for what's about to happen and how God's going to work in your life. If you'd like to tell us how God is working in your life, you can send us an email at connect at etag.tv or if you'd like to help financially support this ministry so that people can hear messages just like the one you're about to hear all around the world, uh, you can do so by going online to our website, etag.tv, and clicking on the Give link. Now get ready and prepare your heart for Jesus to speak to your life in this message.
You know, I never want anyone to question what this is all about. This is about Jesus. We're declaring Jesus to a generation. In a nation where there's many gods, I'm telling you, there's one Lord God. Amen. Hallelujah. Everyone standing for the reading of the scriptures, please turn in your Bibles. I want everyone looking at this passage of scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And the Lord bless you for your faithfulness in giving. God bless our worship team. You don't want to miss the worship tonight, the night of worship. I'm telling you, it's going to be powerful. People were watching live streaming, and I started getting emails, texts, numbers of responses this week. People watching last Sunday that were just healed by the power of God. Instantaneous miracles that took place watching those services. And I'm telling you, when people come together and begin to worship the Lord, anything can happen tonight. First Thessalonians chapter 4, this is forecasting the future, part 2. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul writing to the church of Thessalonica, he says, I would not have you to be unlearned or ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Christ or in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will not prevent those who have already deceased or fallen asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. You know what that means? Some of you going first. Amen. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief, everybody say it, a thief in the night. You may be seated. Two weeks ago in part one of this series, we recited to you from Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus said that in the last days there would be a whole generation of people that could not discern the signs of the times. And yet, in Genesis 1, God says, I'm going to put the sun, the moon, and the stars as a signal, or as signs, for all generations to be able to read these signs and understand what God is doing. And so Genesis declares God has put signs there, but Jesus says that in the last days, people will not be able to understand. They won't comprehend. They won't be watching. I looked up in the scripture, and as I was studying the first part of this, I noticed the word time, T-I-M-E, reoccurs so many times during the scriptures and throughout the scriptures. In fact, faith, hope, and love, if you put all three of those words together, just barely go over the number of times the word time is used in the scripture. And it's like God is sending a signal in the word. Time. Time. Time, time. 
Only one subject matter supersedes that that I've found, and that is the concept of giving. Time is in the word 787 times. But more than heaven, more than hell, more than faith, more than love, more than, more than time, giving is in there 2,285 times. And I think God is trying to send certain signals or messages through the word that many times we fail to pick up on. But anyway, the word time is in there so much. And yet Romans 13, 11 reminds us that our salvation, our hope of his return is much nearer than many believe. We talked in part one about the blood moons that scientifically NASA has predicted and documented these blood moons down through the last hundreds of years. In fact, there were so many tens of millions of people visiting the NASA website to study this, they finally took it down in the last few weeks. But it was on there for a long time. I visited the site and saw it. Scientifically, they showed how all of these blood moons down through history, and they were just giving that this happened as a fact, as a, as a matter of science, that the moon, uh, because of the lunar eclipse and everything, it turned to blood uh, as you would view it, as you would look at it. And so NASA recorded that in certain periods of history there were tetrads, meaning a series of four of these blood moons together. Now, on the spiritual side of that, those that study these things begin to notice that these tetrads or series of four begin to fall on special days or holy days in the Jewish calendar. We know that the Jews... Uh, go according to a different calendar than our Gregorian calendar. They go according to a lunar calendar. And it is a continuous calendar. And to the Jewish people, those on the lunar calendar, the year today, or this year, is 5774. Every year is ascribed a specific meaning. And to the Jews, this year is Ayan Dilet. It literally means the year of an open door. And I'm telling you, we have seen that. We declared that. Uh, the second week of January, when that uh, we began to study that and realize that 5774 means the year of an open door, uh, we begin to declare and decree that and claim that. Amen? But for those that were not here, I just want to remind you that there were a tetrad of four blood moons at 1492. When the Jews were being expelled from uh, Spain, given 14 days to leave, Columbus comes using money... Uh, from the Jews uh, being, uh, being sent out of Spain using some of their confiscated dollars and monies, gold and silver, to finance the voyage, discovers the Americas. Four, four series, or a tetrad of uh, blood moons in 1492. A tetrad then again in 1948 when Israel becomes a nation. Another series of four blood moons in 1967, all marking very important time frames when God's dealing with the world and God is dealing with the house of Israel, the Jewish people, now, according to NASA, beginning, the eight, beginning April 15th, on the day your taxes are due, I told my CPA, I'm going to file an extension. I'm going to wait till after that blood moon on April. He's seated in the balcony. He's not looking real happy up there. Amen. And I was just kidding. Amen. Pay to Caesar what's owed to Caesar. Amen? And I'm telling you, another tetrad, a series of four blood moons, is about to be unleashed over the next 16 months. 
And right in the center of those four blood moons is a full solar eclipse. Every one of these, God says in Genesis 1, I am going to put with the moon, the sun, and the stars signals or signs to tell the world population something significant is happening. I'm telling you over the next 16, 18 months, something significant is happening in our world. And we'll explore some of that in just a few minutes. But in 1948, another further sign that we explored in part one, the fig tree began to bloom and Israel became a nation and, uh, and became uh, a nation with God's hand orchestrating those events. In the midst of all that, in the last days, we're told to occupy and to watch. I remind us that we are created to worship, we're created to serve. Uh, God does not... Uh, bring people out of an idle position, but rather he uses faithful people. And Jesus gives parable after parable. How important in the last days that we be good stewards with what he's put in our lives. And that we watch and we occupy till the Lord comes. I do believe the coming of the Lord is getting nearer than ever. And I believe the admonition that Jesus gives us in Luke chapter 19 that we are to occupy, it means to continue to do business uh, like never before. And the church cannot uh, uh, get on a mountain somewhere and just sit and stop and, and twiddle our fingers and wait till the coming of the Lord takes place. Friends, we must be doing everything we possibly can to win this world to Jesus. Amen? Well, point one today. I want to talk to you from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 about the promise of his coming. One of the important doctrines and tenets of the Christian faith is the return of the Lord. The second coming of our Lord and Savior. When he went away, he said, as you see me go, I'm coming again. John 14, 1 through 3. And we see the ascension of Christ in the latter part of the book of John, And we look at the ascension of Christ listed in the first chapter of the book of Acts. In fact, I want you to go over to Acts chapter 1. While you're turning there in the latter part of Luke, in the latter part of John, as Jesus is ascending, he lifts his hands and he blesses the people and then he's parted into heaven and are carried away into heaven. But in Acts chapter 1, and I want everyone to review this scripture with me, so please turn in your Bibles. Acts 1 verse 9, and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld him, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. People immediately after the ascension of Christ into heaven, scoffers begin to, uh, begin to proclaim uh, the doubt of the second return of Christ. In fact, it became so prevalent in the first century that the apostle Peter had to write and address that in his writings in 2 Peter beginning with chapter 3. That in the last days there would be scoffers. There would be those that question, well, when's the Lord's coming back? Why hasn't he returned? I want to tell you, friends, just because Jesus has not returned does not mean he's not coming back. There is a point on God's timetable, just like there has been a point 
There were two blood moons at A.D. 32, A.D. 33, about the time of the crucifixion. There were two blood moons, A.D. 70, when Jerusalem fell under Titus, the Roman uh, leader of the armies, the emperor's son, and, and the, the, the temple was ravaged. There were two more blood moons. There were blood moons, a series of four, 1492, then 1948, 1967, and we're coming up on another series of four. God gives signposts and he reminds us that even though much of the world is not watching, even though much of the world is not listening, Jesus is coming back. And it's one of the tenets of our faith that we hold near and we must embrace. And we better be ready for the coming of the Lord. For Paul says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Hopefully you'll never have to appear before Judge Mike Sherritt. Amen. But I want to tell you, every one of us will have to appear before Judge Jesus Christ. And the Bible says we have to give an account of everything that's done in this life. Have we used our time, our talents, our energies? The coming of the Lord will bring us into a place where we, we have to stand before the great judge of the universe. Amen? And we must give an account for our lives. There is coming the rapture of the church. Every prophetic event that needs to be fulfilled before the rapture takes place has been fulfilled. There is not one prophetic event. Could the rapture take place today? Yes. Could the rapture take place before April 15th, the first of the four blood moons? Yes. Could it take place during those four blood moons, that 18-month period, or could it take place? At yes. We do not know because the Bible says he's coming as a thief in a night. But I'm telling you what God's word says is that God is putting certain signs, certain signposts in the heavens. I told the crowd in the early service this morning, when you're coming in from the west side of town, as you're coming down Interstate 10, 10 towards, uh, towards town, it, out from town, it's about 70 miles an hour as far as the speed limit. Then it drops to 65, then to 60, then to 55. And I watch week after week as people get pulled over here right where 295 crosses 10. And, and I just know that they're, they're telling the officers, well, I didn't see the sign markers reducing the speed. Just because you do not see the sign markers doesn't mean the speed hasn't been reduced. Just because you're not watching and just because you're not aware that God is arraying in the heavens and God is arraying on the earth and there are all kinds of signals going on doesn't mean Jesus isn't coming. He's coming. And Jesus predicted in the last day that men would be so caught up in their lives they will not be watching. But it doesn't negate the fact he is coming soon. He's coming for the rapture to take the church up so that we are caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And then the tribulation period will begin to unfold. This is the fulfillment of Daniel's 70th week. We know that God decreed a, sp a specific Number of years, 490 years, 70 groups of seven years for the Jewish people where he was going to deal with them. 483 three years were accomplished and they're still leaving one segment of seven years that God's going to deal with the house of Israel and that's the great tribulation. And that tribulation will be a time, it is called a time of Jacob's trouble, but it will also have worldwide impact and worldwide influence. I'm telling you that when something happens in the Middle East, if they sneeze in the Middle East, you have shock waves and rippling effect across the world. 
And what is happening today, you know, when I preached part one of this message two weeks ago between the two services, I was in my office and I, I was just looking at the world globe and looking at the nations. And I, I looked at Jerusalem because on God, in God's economy, and as far as God is concerned, Jerusalem is the center. Everything goes out from Jerusalem. Even the gospel, the commission, the great commission, it all starts with Jerusalem. But I, I looked and due north is Moscow. And I watched as all that was unfolding because prophetically we know that the king of the north is going to come south. And we know and we see all the rippling effects of what is happening in the Ukraine and with Crimea. And it's all just the birth pains or the beginning of things beginning to unfold in that region. But then I began to look, that's due north. And I looked due west. And I'm telling you, due west from, uh, from Jerusalem is Jacksonville, Florida. And I thought, God... Maybe you have strategically positioned a city that is going to do something significant in the next 24 months as a part of our vision where we're going to bless Jerusalem. We're going to bless Israel. I had a leader among Christians who are trying to bless Israel seated in my office this week. And this man visits Israel on a monthly basis. He visits the, the, the national leaders of Israel. Uh, on and on, he's known across America. And he said, what you're doing, I'm telling you, uh, there's only been a handful of churches do it at this level. And I'm not doing, saying that to, I'm just saying that God has led us into something that I believe is inspired of heaven, that for whatever reason in this hour, we need to stand and we need to support Israel and we need to bless the nation of Israel. Amen. But the tribulation will be a, an unparalleled time of God's wrath. And what begins to happen, and I rehearsed it uh, this morning, early this morning, I was looking over the revelation of the seven trumpets, the seven vials, the seven seals, with all that will be taking place during that tribulation. I'm telling you, it will be, have worldwide impact. There will be the rise of the Antichrist during the first three and a half years in which he will come to power. You know that the devil has never known when the rapture would take place, so he has always had to have a person that could fulfill the role of Antichrist. There's always, at every time point in history, there's had to be someone that could step into that role. And you look on the international scene today, and friends, there are several that could fit that role, that could step right into that position as an Antichrist. But we don't know who the Antichrist is. Just as it was wrong down through history for people to... Uh, Suppose this person, that person, I would believe it would be wrong for us to point fingers. But I tell you, as you study history, as you study current events and world, what's happening in our world, there are several individuals that could easily step right into that role uh, to lead a commonwealth of nations across Europe and across the Middle East and that one day, halfway through the tribulation, will go into Jerusalem and will set up uh, to be worshipped as God. In fact, I want you to go to Second Thessalonians with me. Everyone turn over to 2 Thessalonians real quick. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Everyone look in the scriptures. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 3 says, Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, the revelation of the Antichrist shall not come, except there be a falling away first. And then shall the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, 
who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God and that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? Look at verse 6. And now ye know what withholdeth, withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. What Paul is saying to the church there is something is keeping the revelation of the Antichrist from taking place. There can only be two possibilities that are in play here. Number one, it would either be the Holy Spirit or number two, the church. Only those two things could keep the revelation of the Antichrist. Well, we know it's not the Holy Spirit because we know the Holy Spirit's going to be here during the whole tribulation time. We know that during the tribulation, men are going to be born again. People are going to get saved in record numbers because they're going to realize the end times have fallen upon them. And people will turn to Christ. And people cannot get saved except for the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said concerning the coming of the Holy Spirit that he would be with you always. We believe that the teaching is very clear here that something's got to be taken out of the way. And when that is taken out of the way, will be the, the tribulation will begin and the revelation of the Antichrist. And he could only be speaking about the Lord's church. The church is the salt of the earth, the light of the world. And as long as we're here, we're a staying power. We're, we're, we're something, we're a preserving savor to this generation. If it were not for the church, I'm telling you, this world would be in a mess and it would be in tremendous chaos. But because of the, the work of the church, when you've got a city that has 1,400 churches, you've got a nation that has 375,000 churches, and would to God that every one of those churches were preaching Jesus and, and sound doctrine. But I'm telling you, there's a lot, there's tens of millions of believers in this nation that are the salt of the earth and staying the work of corruption. But one day the rapture is going to take those believers out of here. And then Paul is teaching, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he which now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way, and then shall that wicked one be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. I'm telling you, friends, that God has established the church and given purpose to the church to keep this world from total desolation and total corruption. Today we celebrate an anniversary Sunday, homecoming Sunday. And for 69 years, this church ha has been a viable place of ministry, a lighthouse to the city of Jacksonville. And I want to celebrate th for almost 50 of those years, Pastor Cecil Wiggins has pastored this church. Amen. He and my mom have served for 50 of the 69 years. I want us to applaud that right now. My wife has a bouquet of flowers she's going to take back there to present. <laughs> 50 of the 69 years. You know that he retired and became pastor emeritus four years ago next Sunday. But he's still been here loving and serving and ministering, you may be seated. And I honor a historic landmark 
today of 50 years of service. The latter part of April, my wife and I will recognize 37 years being here and being on staff and being a part of this church congregation in the last four years as senior pastor. But I believe in the Lord's church. There's a lot of great ministries and a lot of th great things going on, but nothing supplants the Lord's church. I'm telling you, the Lord said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And sir, you need to give your time and your finest energies to help build what Jesus clearly defined as was important to him, and that's his church. You better believe in and support and be faithful to the Lord's church. Amen? I want to talk to you about the last days. We're approaching April 15th, the first of the blood moons, and all four of these blood moons are supposed to be on Jewish holy days, on Passover and Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. God is sending some signals. What is going to happen, I'm not going to stand here and predict. I just know with every series of blood moons, there have been markers in the universe that God is saying something important is happening be watchful. He's saying occupy. I do want to give a warning to America and to the church that since 1991, and certainly going back in history, you could probably find this to be true, that every time we have tried to force Israel into a peace accord to divide their land, every time there has been a major catastrophe in our nation. Every time America has initiated a peace accord, going back to President H.W. Bush in 1991 with the Madrid Peace Accord, on the very day at the very hour he was trying to force Israel to accept that peace accord, the perfect storm, and they say out of complete nowhere, sent 100-foot waves all up along the New England coast and 30-foot waves over the Kenny Bunkport Bush home, carrying their own furniture out to sea. I'm talking about the very minute President Bush was speaking, God was sending a sign. Every time we've initiated a peace accord since 1991 and we've tried to force Israel to sign, and I've got the documentation, I do not have time, but there have been 10 major catastrophes since 1991 including the very day Katrina hit. On and on, every single thing. And it's not just about President Bush, but Bill Clinton, President George Bush, and now President Obama. For now we have given to Israel, and I want you to listen closely, till April 29th to sign a peace treaty with the Palestinian people. I've got pages of documents concerning this peace treaty and what it looks like how that it's going to divide Jerusalem, it's going to divide the land, and we have given an ultimatum that April 29th is the line in the sand, a few days after the blood moon. I don't know what all of this spells out, but I know it's certainly, it's not about any one political party or any one political president. I'm telling you, behind the scenes, there is an all-out effort to destroy the nation of Israel and to thwart the plan of God. And the church has to be strong. And God says clearly in Genesis 12, I will bless those that bless Israel and I will curse those that curse Israel. And he says in Zechariah chapter 2, if you touch Israel, you are poking your finger in my eye. Not a good thing to poke your finger in God's eye. 
And so I stand here as a pastor this morning and say we need to bless Israel. Amen? I want our ushers and brothers and sisters to please go to the back row real quickly. I'll have you out of here in about five minutes. There's a little black card that I want to distribute to every person. Make sure the balcony and the gallery do not, are not missed. But I want everyone to take one. Because we're making a pledge as a part of a vision over the next 24 months. This is not taking any money, but it's a pledge to a vision. And part of that vision is to bless Israel, to stand with Israel. And to bless what God clearly, and to do something that I'm tell you, telling you is very significant in this hour. We need to pray about this peace treaty and how it affects our world. I want everyone to get, I want our worship team to come back. Praise God. God gave us a vision to arise in this hour. And to do something significant over the next 24 months as a church congregation. And to make a difference. Every time this church has got up. In fact, Isaiah 60 says, arise and shine. And when you do, God says, I'll put my glory on you. And the church at some point has got to get up. Because every time we've taken a step of faith over the years, God's done something significant. When this church was a church of 250 people. God told us to arise and build a thousand seat sanctuary. And when this church was a church of 950, and and you know what happens? Our missions giving skyrocketed when we moved into that new sanctuary. God told us to build a building that would seat over 3,000. And when we did and moved in this sanctuary, our missions giving skyrocketed again. Every time we have obeyed God and did what God says to do in building and possessing the land, God has blessed and enlarged our coast. And I want you to take this card and I want everybody to look at it. The vision is called Arise. Arise and build. And I want to read the mission statement. If you do not have a card, please hold your hand up because we don't, I don't want, right down front, brethren, right down front here. We missed the front and right here in the center. Over here. Brethren in the back, we need some cards. Okay. Please, I want everybody to stand and we're going to read this and I'm going to dismiss you in just a moment, but this is important. In our annual business meeting, we voted about the Arise Vision and 100% vote came in. Back in August, when we were talking about how would we pay for the Arise Vision, we took a vote in a business meeting and the vote was 100% that we believe this church congregation could arise and God would help us to do this. But look at our mission. God has given the Evangel Temple Church family a vision to affect the future of people of all age groups. I am thankful that this church is a generational church. Extremely strong children's ministry. Extremely strong youth ministry. Young adults ministry. Singles, couples, adults, seniors. Because of the scope of the Arise vision, we are asking each person to invest in a two-year commitment above their tithing. 
This opportunity is not about just buildings, but changing lives and families. Times and conditions change so rapidly that we must keep focused on the future. Not one person drove to church this morning, look at me, only looking in a rear view mirror of your car. Not one person did that. Or you'd have been calling for prayer saying, Pastor, I'm upside down in a ditch. Pray for me. But you look towards the future. You look ahead. And the church has got to look ahead. We've got to see all that's before us. And so times and conditions change so rapidly that we must keep focused on the future. God has called us to invest in our children, to reach the lost and unchurched, to disciple all people, all people of every background, and to create fellowship and involvement. Turn over, please. Your commitment, my commitment. Because I'm excited about setting in motion God's plan, I want to do my part to see God's purpose fulfilled and lives changed by God's power. You can count on me. I'm not asking for any money, but I am asking for your commitment to pray. That every person pray for God to bless the Arise vision. I am asking that every, how many, by an uplifted hand, you'll say, I will pray for this vision. Amen. Point two, there are ways that you can help over the next two years. That you can be involved, that you can use your talents, your time, your energies. And number three, I am asking you to pray because on May 4th, we're going to come together without anyone, no pressure, but, you know, I believe in giving an educated opportunity, a spiritual opportunity for people to know what needs to be accomplished and have people pray and then God works the miracles. We don't have to twist arms. You'll never get a call. You'll never get a follow-up letter saying you owe anything, but I just want you to pray over the next 30, 45 days about what, whatever level God would have you participate. How many will agree just to pray about what God will have you do? I'm telling you, God's going to work some miracles in what we have. And you've been seeing it over the last weeks. What's going to be built? And what's going to happen? When we begin to share what we're going to do in Israel, I know the momentum is going to increase, the excitement. But what we're doing on this church campus and for our families, for our children, our our, our nurseries, our children, our young people, and our adults, I'm telling you. I want you to sign that card. I want you to tear it off at the area of the perforation there. And I want you to deposit the top part. There are offering drop boxes scattered throughout the lobby. There's a basket here. There's the welcome center. You can leave your portion, the portion that belongs to the church. Because I'm going to pray over these every day. But then I want you to take your portion where you date it, and I want you to put it in Genesis 12, beginning 1 through 3, where God says, I will bless those that bless Israel, and I'll curse those that curse Israel. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you have a spiritual need, I want to invite you to come to this altar right now. If there is a spiritual need in your life, I invite you to move from where you're standing and to make your way to the front. If you've been running from the Lord, God bless you, sir. Amen. God bless you, young lady. Amen. God bless you, ma'am. What about it, young person? What about it, mom? What about it, dad? 
Last Sunday, these altars were just lined with people making decisions to follow Christ. And if you're not following Christ, if you're a prodigal, if you're wayward, if you've been running from God, I'm telling you, God's calling you home. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If there is a spiritual need, if you're struggling, if you're battling temptation, I need some more prayer partners to come down here. I want every person that needs healing in your body, I want you to arise. Malachi says that it's a prophecy about the Lord that he will get up, he will arise with healing in his wings and release healing to the sick. And if you need healing in your body, I want you to come right now. Every person that needs healing, and I need our prayer partners down here. Jennifer, lead us in one course, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to let those that need to leave, leave. I invite you to come. Lord is good. Go ahead, prayer team, and start laying hands on people. And I'll shout it out from the mountain Yes, the Lord is good. Father, I pray over all those that came with spiritual needs. Every person standing here, every person watching by television or by computer screen right now with a spiritual need. That Father God, in the name of Jesus, you will perform a mighty spiritual work in their lives. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our failures. Come into our heart. And we declare that there is none other that we do not have room for other gods, but there is one Lord God. And we make that declaration and profession of faith that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray for those standing here this morning that need healing and those watching, that the healing wave of Christ, the personhood of Jesus and His ministry to the sick would be seen even at this moment God, manifest your glory. Manifest your healing. Touch those that are infirm. Touch those that are sick. Lord, I pray for signs, wonders, and miracles to happen. God, to attest to the truthfulness and the faithfulness of your eternal word. We decree that in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen.